We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Friday, May the 29th, 2020. On today's show, we continue along with the 2020 opponent preview series. Today, we are breaking down the Tennessee Volunteers, South Carolina hosting Tennessee, week six of the 2020 season. I'll break down the Vols, their head coach, how they did a season ago, their best returning players on offense and defense, give the overall outlook for Tennessee's football season, the importance of the game with South Carolina, and much, much more. Also, have your listener questions, a packed show to get to on this Friday, guys, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only ticket-buying app I use, and the only one I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I've talked about before, you guys all see it in the news, on Twitter, social media, whatever. Sports are slowly but surely coming back. When they do come back and when fans can get their butts in the seats, you are going to need your tickets. SeatGeek is going to be the way to go for you. They are changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. they got a great ticket buying process and a ticket buying app that rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So, guys, never again do you even have to worry about scalping, coming in contact with anybody else. You're going to know exactly what you're getting, what you're paying for. You're going to know that you're getting the absolute best bang for your buck. So, you're not going to worry about, oh, am I overpaying or you know, where exactly are the seats or did the person next to me pay less? No, they do all that work for you. Like I said, they are really changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it. Friday, everyone. Hello, I'm Chris Phillips, host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a packed show as we continue along with the 2020 Opponent Preview Series. Today, we are breaking down the Tennessee Volunteers. Yes, those dirty, stinky voles up there in Knoxville. We're going to be talking about Tennessee, breaking those guys down. Before we get into everything, one quick housekeeping item. If you have not done so, if you're listening to the show, Click the pause button, go rate the podcast, leave five stars, leave a review, leave your feedback, whatever your thoughts or things you like, things you don't like, things you want to see more of, hear more of, whatever, that's a great place to do it. Whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be, click the pause button, take five seconds out of your day, go leave five stars. And again, if you want to leave your feedback as well, you can do that. And everyone that has left a review, I genuinely do 
appreciated because it helps boost up the podcast. It helps other people find the show that maybe are unfamiliar with the Spurs Up show. So again, I really do appreciate it, guys. Also, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, I'm really not sure what you're doing at this point. Click the pause button. Smash that subscribe button. The daily podcasts are back. We are full go. We're in full go as far as off-season football content is concerned. You want to make sure you're subscribed and you're getting those daily notifications for the podcast. Um, you can also subscribe, obviously, on social media. You guys know to click the follow button, but subscribe on YouTube. If you want to listen to shows via that outlet, that channel, you can do that. Smash the subscribe button there as well. But, again, rate, subscribe. Really do appreciate you guys, again, that have already done so. All right, let's dive into it. Very, very excited for today's show because, like I said on the Wednesday show when we talked about Florida, we're really diving into the meat of the SEC schedule, and this week is absolutely no different – or, excuse me, today's show is absolutely no different as we talk about the Tennessee Volunteers. South Carolina, Tennessee, Saturday, October the 10th at Williams-Brice Stadium. The game returns to Columbia, South Carolina as South Carolina looks to get – you know, it's revenge for last year. The all-time series record first. Tennessee leads the all-time series 26-10-2. Very similar to the Florida series in the sense that when Steve Spurrier got to South Carolina, that changed. That changed very, very much so. And then obviously Will Muschamp took the job. And even with all the shortcomings that Muschamp has had during his tenure, um, he's been very good against Tennessee. I mean, he pretty much owns Tennessee. Last year being his first ever loss to the Bulls. I think he sits now 7-1 against Tennessee. So um, the Gamecocks in the last decade having a lot of success against UT, but definitely some momentum now with Jeremy Pruitt, what they're doing on the recruiting trail. I talked about getting some revenge. That's because Tennessee, as we all remember, beat South Carolina in Knoxville, 41-21 to in a really, really tough game. I mean, South Carolina went up there. We all remember first play of the game, Ryan Holinsky to Shai Smith in the slant pass, goes for a touchdown. You're thinking to yourself, all right, this is going to be good. Even at halftime, I think what the score was 21-20 to or – South Carolina was leading, I believe, um, and the Gamecocks sort of fell apart in the second half. So, very, very interesting, intriguing matchup. Again, you get the Vols at home, um, so that'll de- definitely be a big thing for South Carolina. The last meeting between the two, again, I talked about Tennessee got the win. 2019 for UT, they went 8-5 and five with a 5-3 and three record overall. So, honestly, in Jeremy Pruitt's second season, I would say they did pretty good. Um, they did pretty good, especially after the way they started. We're going to get to how they fared last season in just a second. But I talked about Jeremy Pruitt. Again, coming into his third season, the big question is, you know, again, kind of similar to Florida, although they did not have the success, obviously, last year that Florida had. But can Jeremy Pruitt elevate this Tennessee program and get them back to the Tennessee of old? You know, it's so crazy. I mean, Tennessee has been dog shit for so long now. Like, I, Tennessee on the recruiting trail, they can't even pitch to kids anymore about, like, the glory days of Tennessee football. That was so long ago. It's crazy how long it's been since Tennessee was really good. Like, I'm talking about on the national scale good. So, that's obviously – they bring in Jeremy Pruitt a couple years ago. He's coming in his third year trying to get Tennessee back to that level. Can he do it? What do you think of Pruitt as a head coach? That's sort of up to you. I am very much wait and see with Pruitt. Um I don't know. He comes from the Nick Saban coaching tree, and he's another one of these defensive guys. We'll see what happens. How does he fare? But, again, Jeremy Pruitt in his third season in Knoxville. Again, how did they fare in 2019? Going back over the 2019 schedule, 8-5, and 5-3 and overall. But, you know, if you guys remember, it did not start out well in Rocky Top last year. Tennessee loses their first two games. 
They lose to Georgia State at home. Shout out, shout out Sean Elliott, by the way, getting the big dub in Knoxville. But they lose to Georgia State at home. They lose to BYU at home in two overtimes. So you're sitting there at 0-2. I mean, it was not good. I, I don't know if you guys remember the after week two. I mean, there were people already saying fire Pruitt. And like, it got bad. Things got very, very bad for Tennessee. They bounced back, though, got a 45-0 win over Chattanooga. But then, I mean, got blown out back-to-back games. Florida 34-3, Georgia 43-14. So you're sitting there again thinking to yourself, you're 1-4. You haven't gotten a win over a Power 5 team yet. Um, but Tennessee does bounce back, beats Mississippi State, then loses at Alabama to no one's surprise by double digits. Um, and then from there, what did I say? They were 1-4 to start – so let's see, one and four to start, two and four. Started out two and five. Started out two and five, yes, and won their last six in a row. And it all started with the damn South Carolina game. Beat South Carolina, they go on to beat UAB at Kentucky, at Missouri, and some close ones in there, too. They only beat Kentucky and Mizzou by four in each of those games. Uh, beat Vandy, and then in the bowl game, in the Gator Bowl, beat Indiana to finish eight and five. So, a really crazy season, a rocky season, no pun intended, but, I mean, a really crazy season for Tennessee last year, winning their last six in a row to get to eight and five. Um, looking at their best returning players on offense and defense, best returning player on offense for me, this is an offense that loses a lot, an offense that already wasn't great. Um, you take a look at the numbers, let's see, averaging 366 yards and 24 points per game. You know, it's it wasn't a great offense by any stretch of the imagination. They lose a lot from that offense. But wide receiver Josh Palmer, the senior, I'm going to stick on the outside. Wide receiver Josh Palmer, their leading receiver coming back, 34 receptions, 457 yards and a touchdown. I think he had a, a 55 yards or so against South Carolina. I will say this. Their best returning player on the offensive side of the football probably lies on the line of scrimmage because one of Tennessee's strengths this year is definitely going to be the offensive line, which I feel like that's just a staple of Tennessee football. They've always got big physical offensive linemen. But I wanted to go with a skill position guy, so I went wide receiver Josh Palmer. He's going to be the guy they're expecting to to step up you know, and be that guy and be the number one target for whoever's playing quarterback, whether that's Garantano, whether that's Maurer, whether that's the new kid, the freshman they have. Whoever it's going to be, Josh Palmer is going to be need to be one of those big-time playmakers for Tennessee on the outside. The best returning player on defense for the Vols, I'm going with linebacker Henry Toto, and I know I'm probably saying that wrong, Hawaiian name. Linebacker Henry Toto, the sophomore, as a true freshman, 72 tackles, five tackles for loss. Gamecock fans, you know it's so funny, and you're going to recognize this name the moment I say this, but I'll tell you who I almost put down for this, Bryce Thompson. The Dutch Fork product. Bryce Thompson, 32 tackles last year. He had three interceptions, which was second on the team. One of the better young DBs. And, again, I know he's a junior, but watch out for Bryce Thompson, the kid that obviously had his off-field issues. That's the reason that South Carolina didn't go after him after a certain point. But the kid's balling out on that Volunteers defense. The kid is balling out, no question. But linebacker Henry Toto, he's really going to be the leader. He's going to be the stopper in the middle. Again, 72 tackles, five tackles for loss last year. The sophomore, he's going to be that leader on the middle of that Tennessee defense. The overall outlook for Tennessee in 2020. Let's take a look at their 2020 schedule. We went over 2019. Let's talk the 2020 schedule, right? 
So Tennessee opens up Charlotte at home, which should be a win. They go to Oklahoma in week two, which will be a very, very interesting game. Uh, then they have three straight at home, Furman, Florida, and Missouri. Then come to Columbia for the game with South Carolina. Then return home to face Alabama at Arkansas, Kentucky at home, at Georgia, Troy at home, and then at Vandy. So a lot of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You take a look at that schedule and just gun to head, instant reaction for me. I think Tennessee is probably a 7-5, and 8-4 and four type of team. Um, I could definitely definitely see eight and four for UT. I think a lot of it is obviously going to depend on the quarterback situation, who fills in there. Um, that's obviously going to be the big thing for them. One of the big storylines, I think, for Tennessee in this, this season, I know a lot of Vols fans are asking this question, but can Tennessee finally get over the hump versus their rivals? And I'm talking Georgia. I'm talking Florida. I'm talking Alabama because – Tennessee, I think, is in an interesting position where they're trying to get back to legitimacy. They're or like national prominence, if you will. Um, they're trying to get back to the Tennessee of old and getting blown out every year by your main three rivals, you know, is not going to get it done. And it's not going to sit well with the Tennessee faithful and those boosters up in Knoxville. So can Tennessee get over that hump, if you will? Again, you take a look at they've got Florida at home, which I talked about on Wednesday's show when I was talking about Florida, that could be a tough game for the Gators, and I think it really could. I mean, in Knoxville, you know that's probably going to be a 3.30 kick. It may even be a night game, and we know Knoxville's a crazy place to play, so that could be an area where they, they have Alabama at home as well, and Alabama, what are they going to be this year? Um, will be interesting to see, and then obviously at Georgia, uh, middle of November, but I think this is a year for Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee program. You really need to steal one. Like, you need to steal one uh, – of one of those three against your rivals to show the progress that I think Vols fans are sort of are sort of clamoring for, if you will. Um, another big storyline, again, I already talked about it, but who is the answer at quarterback for UT? Jarrett Garantano has had one of the more interesting careers of any QB in the SEC. Very Jake Bentley-like. Very Jake Bentley-esque, where it feels like a lot of the fan base does not like him. I mean, honestly. It feels like a lot of the fan base doesn't like him. Uh, Mauer, you saw Mauer play against South Carolina last year. Balled out. Did very, very well. A kid that's very capable. He was a freshman last year. But he definitely struggled at times. Garantano came into the bowl game, played very well. So it was a lot of back and forth. Will they run a two-quarterback system? Who knows? But I feel like Tennessee, to have the type of year they want to have, they're going to have to find the answer at quarterback. No question. They're going to have to find the answer at quarterback to have the type of success that that fan base is clamoring for. Now, when you take a look at the outlook of this game in relation, obviously, to USC and what it means for both sides, I think for South Carolina, you know, again, and I talked about on Wednesday's show with the Florida game that, you know, if you come in that game hypothetically 4-0 and and, you know, the importance of that game. Listen, if you, if you get to that point, you keep winning they all become the biggest game of the Will Muschamp era or whatever because they're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which is what you want. But just speaking on this game individually, no matter what the record says, I've already said, and I'm going to say again when we talk about, you know, I give my actual predictions and talk about the schedule and stuff later in the summer, I've already said, though, that I think Missouri is the most pivotal game of the 2020 season. I just think that you can't have the type of season you want if you don't beat Mizzou. That's a game you have to win. You absolutely have to win. 
I think Tennessee might be the second most important game, though, and I'll tell you why. I think this game, because, listen, South Carolina for a long time, for a while, jumped out ahead of Tennessee. What Steve Spurrier did when he got to Columbia, South Carolina was a better, you know, was a better program than Tennessee, was winning more games, was recruiting better, was winning the head-to-head matchup more often. I mean, really. And you lose that game last year in Knoxville, so be it, whatever. But you see the progress that you you know the you see the type of season UT had last year won eight games. You see the type of progress and the momentum they have on the recruiting trail, which is is nuts. Will will it sustain? I don't know. But again, you can't deny the momentum they've got on the recruiting trail. But I just think the importance of this game for South Carolina in the in the SEC East hierarchy, I think this game is so important for South Carolina's program. Because, listen, you're already having a fight against Georgia and Clemson. Or Here's the thing. You're already having a fight against Clemson in your own state. Then when you talk about the SEC East, you're already having a fight against Georgia. Florida looks like they've got their act together. The last thing you need, the last thing the Gamecocks need, is for Tennessee to figure it out. And then you're staring back at what you saw in the early 2000s or for really the most of the time South Carolina's been in the SEC, which is finishing fourth in the East, being stuck in that four spot. You know, I just think as a program, it's so important for South Carolina to, to get this game at home. Because then if you lose at home and it's two straight losses, you start to feel like, wow, maybe it seems like Tennessee has caught up with South Carolina and has passed them. And I know everyone probably saw the tweet that I had a few, about a month or two back or so, talking about, you know, just in the recruiting show that I thought Tennessee had passed South Carolina. And, you know, I'm not necessarily backing off that statement, but if you can win the head-to-head matchup on the field, then it changes the whole narrative. But I just think this is such an important game for South Carolina in the sense of trying to, to keep up. You can't fall behind another team if that makes sense. You just can't afford to. It's already so tough right now because, again, Georgia's Georgia. Florida is getting their act together. They've basically gotten it together. The last thing, again, that you need is Tennessee because I feel pretty good that, you know, and, again, what is Kentucky going to do? I don't know. It's already tough, you know. It's already tough. But the last thing you need is to allow Tennessee to, after all that work I feel like you put in the last decade, of surpassing them as a program and really having their number to allow Tennessee to pass you once again. I think for that reason, it's a very, very important game. And honestly, it's an important game for Tennessee as well because if they want to be a legitimate contender and take that next step as a program under Pruitt, I'll be honest, they can't afford to lose to South Carolina. They can't afford to lose that type of game. They can't. That doesn't mean they they won't, but I'm just saying like that's – that's definitely – it's an intriguing matchup because I think there's a lot to lose for both sides if they lose the game. I really do. Um, because at Tennessee, you know, a lot of fans, a lot of their fans want to see a nine-win season, and you're not going to get that if you lose at South Carolina. You're just not. But, again, for the Gamecocks, you know, you, you've got to at least start four and two this year. You need to get to a bowl game, you've got to start at least four and two. So you can afford two slip-ups. One of them will probably be in Gainesville, you know? 
and you know hopefully you're able to avoid any upset early especially if you get upset early this one becomes a massive becomes massive but again i just think it's important for the gamecocks program simply put to maintain the sec east hierarchy and not allow tennessee to surpass you once again as you know and again they were extremely good in the 90s and early 2000s whatever but it's kind of like when somebody's down you don't let them get back up keep their keep your foot on their throat and I just think if you allow Tennessee come in your place get a win they've won two in a row it really feels like that starts to shift if that makes sense so definitely an important game definitely an intriguing matchup a lot on the line for both sides um and these South Carolina Tennessee games, man, besides last year, they're always close. I mean, these games always come down to the wire. They always do. And honestly, probably going to expect nothing less in this one. I think it'll probably be a game that definitely comes down to the wire for sure. Um, all right, let's go ahead and dive into your listener questions. Um, underscore Christopher, underscore Morton, underscore. A lot of underscores there. Four and eight and again. Four and eight again, question mark. I will give my predictions later in the summer. I can tell you I'm not predicting four and eight, though. Uh, let's see. Scott W. Lawson, you think the Tennessee recruiting surge going on will see a market correction? And he means decommits by that. He wanted to specify. It, here's the thing. Good question, by the way, Scott. It's just tough to tell because how is the pandemic – like, what, everything in the world right now is weird. Everything. Everything's weird. How has the pandemic affected recruiting, sports, Blah, 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 everything else. Um, I mean, again, you know, you can't deny the momentum they have on the recruiting trail. Will there be any decommits? Will they keep everybody they have? I doubt it. I mean, it's recruiting, dude. These are these are 17-year-old kids making one of the biggest decisions of their entire life. Like, you know, there's the odds are pretty decent that one kid at least will decommit. Um but, yeah, I mean, the surge has been crazy. I mean, Tennessee is pulling guys left and right. It's like every other day they've got a recruit or a commit. It's insane. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, CP3 underscore presents underscore. Why does men basketball recruit so bad? And do you think, do you think Kingston is the guy for the Gamecocks? Um, men's basketball recruiting being a problem. You know, I think it's just really tough. I think it's just tough for South Carolina to recruit, period. I mean, you're surrounded by Blue Bloods, UNC, Duke, even like Wake Forest, NC State. Um, so that makes it really tough on you. But, I mean, honestly, you know, to be honest, I think the recruiting is tough because, listen, not everybody can play under Frank Martin and in his system. And it's not a knock on Frank saying he's a bad coach. But you cannot tell me it does – you can't tell me it doesn't take a specific type of personality and a specific type of dude to play under that. You just can't. You cannot sit there and say anyone can play for him. You can't. You cannot say that. So I think that shrinks the recruiting pool down a little bit. I do. So, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. You know, I've had former basketball players on the show asking them about that and you know, obviously, again, being surrounded by blue bloods, not being a blue blood yourself, not having true basketball tradition, like that stuff hurts. But, I mean, again, I think it just shrinks the pool that not everybody wants to get cussed out every day by Frank Martin. And, again, 
that's not a knock on Frank. Because when he finds the right guys that fit his system, he does wonders with them. But I think that's one of the reasons you see these struggles in recruiting. Not everybody wants to play for him, just bottom line. And, again, that's not me knocking him. That's just – it's just just a take. I mean, it's just – just two plus two is four, man, and it's just simple as that. Um, Do I think Kingston is the guy? You know, I'm a Kingston fan. Like, here's the thing. I'm not like a Kingston rah-rah supporter like this, that, but I'm not a fire Kingston guy either. Like, I think Kingston's a baseball guy, and I want to believe Ray Tanner of all the hires he's had would get that one right. Here's the thing. Here's the best part about Kingston. You ready? Carolina baseball's tradition is so great. I'm not going to have to hoot and holler and get upset about Kingston or, you know, throw up the hashtag fire Kingston, what, nothing. I'm not going to have to do that because, listen, Carolina baseball tradition so great. It's, there's no gray area. It's black and white. He's either going to win or he's not. And if he doesn't, he will not have a job here. It's that simple. Like, there's no complexities there. It's different with football and basketball because there, you know, I hate to say this, there is no standard. There is no standard. So, you know, will Muschamp win six games this year? There's not an expectation to be great. So even if he's not great, doesn't mean he's going to get fired. Same with Frank Martin. You know, that there's no expectation to make the NCAA tournament every year. That's something I talked – I mean, I talked about this, I think, in January or, you know, one of my shows a few months ago about what are the expectations and what are the standards and, you know, all that stuff. But I think that's that's what makes it so easy in baseball is, like, with Holbrook. I mean, it was simple. Like, he didn't make the postseason. He got fired. Bottom line, there's no discussion. So, I'm – like, I like Kingston. I think he's a – I think he can win here. I, I, I don't doubt he can win here. But he knows the pressures of the job. He knows the expectations. And if he doesn't fulfill those expectations, he knows what the consequences will be. Bottom line. So, but do I think Kingston's a good baseball man? Do I think he knows the game? Do I think, yes, I do. If, if he doesn't win at South Carolina, it's not because he's a bad baseball coach. Chad Holbrook's not a bad baseball coach. But not everybody can be the one at South Carolina. They can't – and what I mean is the, not the one O and E. I mean the number one. Not everybody's meant to be the number one in a program like South Carolina. It takes a special type of dude. Just like with Ray Tanner, not everybody's meant to be the number one in an athletic department. Some people are just baseball coaches. Some people are athletic directors. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, um, S.Rush7. Who makes an impact quicker, Cam Smith or Shiloh Sanders? I'm going to go with Cam Smith. I think he's longer. I think he's got more length. Um, I mean, it's tough to say it's a coin flip because I feel like the impact they both made last year was kind of even. Um, I'm going to go Cam Smith, though. For whatever reason, I think Cam Smith will make more of an impact this year than, than Shiloh Sanders will. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cam Smith for sure. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Last question, by the way, I'm celebrity question here. Olivia Baum says, follow-up statement, uh, does Carolina need players that tackle like that dog, yes or no? If you guys missed the viral clip of the dog decking that little kid, um, which it's a phenomenal clip. That, that dog has impeccable form. 
Um, but she says, follow-up statement, does Carolina need players that tackle like that dog, yes or no? Yes, they do, and I want to say they have them. So, there you go. There's your answer. Um, all right, all the listener questions. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much for the listener questions as well. Awesome show. Again, can't wait. I mean, this game with Tennessee is going to be a big one. Um, not in the traditional Halloween slot, which is the only thing that's depressing a little bit, but no, nah, this is going to be a big game. I mean, and they're all big, right? They're all big games, but, you know, especially when you're taking on the Floridas, the Georgias, the Tennessees, you know, those bigger teams, and especially with this Tennessee game. Again, I talked about why I think it's so important. I think I think this one is really pivotal for <clears throat> your your – the SEC East hierarchy, and just where you are as a program. You don't want to get passed by somebody else. So I think there will definitely be a lot, on, a lot on the line for both teams, which should make it a really, really intriguing matchup. So, again, really appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back on Monday continuing the opponent preview series. Yes, on Monday continuing the opponent preview series. We'll be talking – oh, God, do I need the schedule? Wow, I don't have the schedule memorized yet. I don't have the schedule memorized yet. Do you believe that? We'll be t- oh, you know why? The next week is a bye week, but we're going to skip that. I'm just kidding. Talking Texas A&M. Texas A&M and Vandy next week, so it'll be a really good time. Appreciate you guys tuning in again. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much. We will talk to you on Monday.